to come back and see where Kevin and Sammy, where they are now, especially with the crowd and they've main evented WrestleMania. And it's cool to see their reactions in, in, in front of the WWE universe. And yeah, to get in there with those guys now, especially now, yeah, that's what we want. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. Of course, I'm your host, Ryan Satin, as always. And this week on the podcast, we've got one half of the OC, Carl Anderson. Now, if you have followed me for a while pre-Out of Character, uh, if you've followed me and what I did in a previous life, there's a good chance you possibly heard an interview that I did with Carl Anderson in the past where he talked about his exit. But now we're here to talk about his return and so much more. And it's a fascinating conversation. He's someone who I'm such a big fan of personally and as a pro wrestler. So I'm really glad that I got him here on the podcast with this week. There's a bunch of stuff in there that I guarantee you're going to find interesting. But before I get to that, sorry to leave you hanging. No offense. I got a little bit of housekeeping I want to do here. Make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, threads now as well. And make sure that if you're watching on YouTube, that you subscribe to the Add a Character podcast feed as well. I want to make sure that you're getting every single episode of this show in when you can. So do your boy a favor and go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. And those of you in the podcast feed, if you're listening to the audio version of this show, go check out the WWE on Fox YouTube as well. All right. Got that out of the way. Let's get to my conversation with a real good brother, Carl Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Part of the OC Bullet Club OG. Awesome wrestler, Carl Anderson. Thank you so much for giving me the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. You see a, a broken basketball rim in the back. In the back, if, you, if for the video people, my I'm in my son's room. I, I'm lucky and fortunate enough to have a decent sized house, but. It's filled up with with kids, and I'm trying. To, I don't. I don't. I don't have my own relaxing area anymore, so I don't know where to go for these things. So here we are. We were just. It's funny. We were just talking off camera about how my wife yeah. and I were talking about kids the other day, and she was like, "Well, what room would they sleep in?" And that was when the the realization came over me that I'm gonna lose my office like that the second we have a kid. Yeah, and like I have an office downstairs, but they want to watch TV down there and we live in Florida now and there's no basements allowed. And so I just kind of don't know where to go sometimes. And I, I have a spot where I can work out, but then it's like kind of, it's close to the living room and it's, that's where they would, they want to rock and roll in the living room. It's just, it's a beautiful thing having children. You just, it's not quiet. Yeah. I had an older brother and I recently, <laughs> we were, we were recently, I was going through old uh, videos from my childhood and a lot of times, like, it's like a birthday party or a this where there's lots of family around and everyone's on their best behavior. But there was one video, like, me and my brother just, like, at our grandparents' house at our most crazy. And we're just running in circles, screaming, singing songs, hitting each other. And I'm like, oh, that's the childhood I remember. Yeah, that's just the way. Like, I was downstairs yesterday and my, my oldest son had friends over. And they're running around and it sounds like elephants upstairs. And I'm like, son... You can't keep having friends over because you already have enough brothers. Now there's seven or eight people running around in here. Please, <laughs> no more inviting kids over. Oh man, are they are they into wrestling at all? They like wrestling. They, 
They do. They they are, but they're they're not as much as I thought they would be. So they were when they were when we were younger. So when the kids were it's like, for example, I have four boys now. But then when they were like eight, six, three, and then the baby, the the eight and the six year old were really into it. But as this the world's progressed and like the the COVID world came along and you know we went outside of WWE and then we came back to WWE. They all kind of got mixed away from it now they're they're in the baseball they're into basketball they're into football and they don't ask me when wrestling comes on anymore during the week and it's like at this point i'm kind of like hey you guys you want to check out you know raw or smackdown and they don't even bring it up so i don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing because it's just they've almost wafed away from it i remember i i vividly remember when I got too old to go to the movies with my dad anymore. And we used to go see every movie together. I was like his little buddy to go to the movies. Anything he wanted to see, he knew I was going to go with him. And when I got to like, yeah. I don't know, like 13 years old and I wanted to like start going with girls to the movies, I just remember him being so sad of like, <laughs> oh, you don't want to see this movie with me anymore? Like, oh, okay, I guess I'll see it alone. Yeah, like, you know, AJ got injured in, in January or February. And so we were just, we weren't around on television for a while. And so then we... We got drafted to SmackDown and we had a match in Puerto Rico. And that was like our first time back on SmackDown in, in a while. Or I think, and it's actually, I think it's our first time on SmackDown since we returned uh, last October. And I like texted the boys, hey, SmackDown's on tonight. And not one of my sons wrote back. Like, and, and my wife writes, oh, hey, one of the kids mentioned you were on wrestling, but they have baseball tonight and we'll see if we can watch it when I get home. And they never brought it up until I, I flew home the next morning, and, and then I had to watch it, make them watch it. I'm thinking, Jay, I, I know they still think Dad's pretty cool, but <laughs> they, they could have cared less that I had this. I was like, oh, Puerto Rico sold out, you know. It, it was rocking. They were kind of pumped to see the boys. And hey, some people recognize me outside of the arena. You want to talk about that? Like they don't, they don't care. You know? I guess they're used to it or something. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's great, but they're just not as gun ho as I'm. I don't know what it is. We're not as good as they used to be. Yeah, no, it happens. How, how old is the oldest one now? <laughs> 13. So yeah, 13, that's... 11. Yeah, it's a, the perfect time. And, like, he's cool with it, but he doesn't put it on anymore, you know. He remembers the, the John Cena, you know, six, seven years ago we were beating up John Cena, and that was like his favorite era. Now he doesn't even ask. He doesn't even care the dad's on in Puerto Rico live in a sold-out show, you know. And now you're shaming him for it on a podcast that everyone can see. I love it. I love oh, it so for sure. much. And in a few years, it's going to be worse. Because I know from experience with my dad being a TV producer, he would sit me down and make me start watching stuff when I wasn't just offering to watch it with him anymore. And then, then it becomes like they're like looking at their phone. You're looking at your phone or like talking to someone next to you. And you're going to start yelling at them like, hey, be quiet. Like watch the match. Yeah, and I will say that they, and they they do hate when like we lose or something that gets them wor- it gets them worked up still. So like they'll ask that question if we ask something. You did 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 you lose? Are you gonna win? And I'm like, you know, just take it easy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> take, take it easy, dad's, dude. Dad's doing fine. All right, dad's out there fighting hard. Give me a break. You know, you mentioned uh, AJ getting injured there. You had to have been bummed when that happened since, you know, you were on, you're kind of rolling, you guys are doing your thing again, and then everything kind of just gets put on hold when his injury happens. Yeah, for sure. You know, like we, we you know, when we came back in, in October, it was, you know, awesome, awesome to be back, awesome to see friends. It, it was time to get back to the WWE. And then uh, 
we just got moving, just got rolling. Then I think it was a, a live event that AJ, you know, popped his ankle. And uh, yeah, it was disappointing. But you know, that's the first time he's ever been even missed time for for an injury or, or any of us knock on wood for that for that matter. But um, yeah, it was disappointing. But now you know AJ's back. You know, you know, we got Mia Yim's in the in the mix now, and you know, me and Gallows have stayed luckily healthy, and we're ready to rock, man. Well, now that you're ready to rock, I can imagine you must be itching to get into a tag title feud with Sammy and Kevin. Yeah, itching, itching. You know, we 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 were on the live events in Dublin, Ireland, where the crowd was you know, just insane. The 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 the, the, the reactions were unreal. And you know, you know, like I said, you know, we did we were gone from WWE for a couple of years, and to come back and see where Kevin, you know, Kevin and Sammy, where they are, where they are now, especially with the crowd, and they've main evented WrestleMania and the way their characters have built. Like it's cool to see their reactions in, in, in front of the WWE universe. And yeah, to get in there with those guys now, especially now would be, uh, yeah, that's what we want. So I want to talk about you coming back a little bit before we get too far yeah. ahead of it. I know it's almost, God, it's almost been it's close to like a year almost since you've been back, huh? It's close to a year, man. That's how, that's how crazy, that's how fast life goes, but also this schedule, like the, the weekly, 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 Monday night raw, Smackdown, and especially with you covering everything, it's got to go. It's just next thing you know, it's next week. It's next week. It's next week. Then when you're on the road, you want to get home, and you can't wait to get home. And next thing you know, it's a year. And the next thing you know, your kids don't even want to watch you in Puerto Rico. It's just like... <laughs> kids don't even kids don't even care that you get a W in Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh, I will say though, out of all the people who I've had on this podcast, out of all the people who returned, uh, I think you're one who I never expected to have on here. Based on the last conversation that we had on a podcast. Um, what made you change your stance on returning to WWE? Well, I think, you know, so let's say this. We, when we, we were released by the WWE in April of 2020, and I think it, uh, it caught us by surprise. And so, you know, being an, an emotional and like uh, 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 a fiery person that's, uh, that wants the best out of, out of his profession, um, you know, there was – feelings of, of angst and, and anger about it. Um, and I, I wasn't sure that we'd come back either. And so that's why we made sure that for those two years that we were gone, we hit it hard and we, we didn't take any breaks. And I was almost, you know, busier than a lot of people in, in the industry for those couple of years. And it feels like as the, the more that we were gone, the more we started feeling like the, some conversations started happening. And then, some of the angst goes away and then you start to just realize that some of that might've just been the, the, the passion that we have inside of us anyway, just to be the best. And so next thing you know, it's two years later after, you know, that being released and it was just like, it was just time, you know, we got a, got a couple texts, a couple texts sent back. Then we got a, got a call from, um, from triple H. And it was like, it was like right around the time when we were, our impact contract was finishing. And we sat down and, and we figured and we fixed it and figured it out. And I'm, I'm happy that it happened. I'm happy it worked out. And, uh, you know, everything's going really well right now. I'm happy to hear that you guys had that conversation, too, because as the one who, who did your exit interview, I remember all that angst. And I remember a lot of the things that you had said and a lot of the issues that you had had. So uh, that's what surprised me most in all of this was that, like, some of your issues were with Triple H directly, a lot of them. And so the fact that he was someone who made a call to you guys and, and seemingly fixed it, I think that's very commendable on his part, that he didn't hold that grudge. 
And it's awesome that you guys were able to accept it and move on from it. hundred percent. I think, and you know, sometimes you got to man up and, and you know, I'm, I, maybe I said some things, I'm absolutely said some things that, you know, like I think we're set out of passion. You're, 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 when you're angry about something or if you're worked up about something, you, you're going to say what, what you feel and, and say what you think might be right or might not be right. But, um, who knows what was going on behind the scenes at that time? Um, who, who knows what was going on behind the scenes now? Sometimes I don't know all that stuff and who knows who was calling the shots at certain points at that time in 2020. So I'm just glad that we were able to, uh, work it out, fix it, and just be men and move on. I'm such a grudge holder by nature, and it's almost taking me 36 <sighs> years to figure out how unhealthy it is. <laughs> that maybe these things that I've held on to this long I, are so stupid, and I should just move on from them. 100%. And, and what's, helped, what's helped me, I think, is, is maybe I was wrong. You know, what if, what if I had, you know, information that just got picked to me here and, you know, what if I'm just speaking out of, uh, emotion? Um, you know, cause nobody wants to get fired publicly. Like I think I told you before I was doing lunges outside and my neighbors were texting me, Hey, are you okay? And I'm thinking, man, why do they know that I got fired? Oh yeah. It's public. And so a lot of, a lot of things starts coming in a lot of things. You might say things that you don't particularly mean high emotions, obviously. And, uh, it all worked out because the two years away was, I think it was needed because we were able to, to go and do some, some more things. And we got to go back to Japan and we got to have a, an awesome debut at impact in the middle of, of the COVID stuff. And we got to show up on, you know, the other place with AEW and we got to go back to new Japan and have a, some fun stuff there. And then we got to have this awesome return and, and kind of, you know, all come full circle with WWE in New York city. Like I'm, weirdly glad it all happened the way it did that's funny i never thought about as long as i've covered wrestling and you know seen people get released and seen the public announcements i never really thought about how outside of the wrestling sphere how tough that must be to have your firing announced to everybody because <laughs> like i got fired from tmz but it's not like it was blasted everywhere. Like I just say kind of like blankly, like, Oh, when I left TMZ, I don't have to say when I got fired from TMZ. So I think that like, I never really think about that. How like everybody, you know, now knows that you got let go from your job. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is when you're in the public eye, you, you gotta be ready to eat that stuff. But I think that's where it comes from just being just a, just a passionate dude. That's going to fire up at certain times. But um, you know, it, it, it's the truth, man. I'm like, going to the baseball field and I'm thinking, oh man, these people know about my business and they're asking about this. And I'm thinking, you know, I can't tell them I'm about, I'm about to start with impact in a couple of months. They just think I got fired and I'm broke and I don't have a job and I can't afford my house. And I just want to, and then I just, you know, sometimes, you know, there might've been six months to two years where I held some anger inside and I would, and I would, you know, act inappropriately at times with, with just the, the crap that I would say. But like I said, I think after the two years, it just slowly, I was able to kind of work those things out, being surrounded by people that helped a lot. And, uh, and just figuring it out on my own and, and realizing that maybe I didn't know the whole story. And sometimes you got to just, things happen. You, you Not everything's going to be perfect. You, you're going to have to fight some of the negative stuff off and turn it into positive or you can roll over and fold and, you know, 
get out of the wrestling business and go, you know, drive a truck or something. And that's not what I was going to do. I was going to keep, you know, keep pushing forward. So like I said, I weirdly, not even weirdly, I'm, I'm glad it happened the way it happened because it all came full circle. And I got to see a lot of things, make new friends, hang, hook up with new friends, hang out with new friends, do some different things, go back to Japan like I wanted to, and then come back to New York City. It's, it weirdly worked out. The fact that you wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom while signed to WWE but holding a New Japan title is an example of that. Like It's case in point that he was so cool about it because I thought it was rad to see you know, you on that show with all these other talents that are from multiple international promotions, and it just made the show feel like such a bigger deal knowing that, you know, everyone is represented kind of there. Every company is almost represented in a way. Yeah, no, it was really cool. And, I, you know, I, I, had, I did eight or nine Wrestle Kingdoms at the Tokyo Dome from before anyway, but I never had a, a singles match in it all. But, you know, with re-signing back with WWE and, and everything that was going on, it almost, I almost forgot that I had a singles match with Tama coming up, like at Wrestle Kingdom. And I was like, oh, geez, I gotta like, now I'm getting kind of nervous because I just <clears throat> was excited about it because I just hadn't done it yet. And so now, you know, to be on that show and to see, and to see my friends and, and, and to see that because Japan was a lot different, uh, uh, slower with opening the world opening their country back up with with the covid stuff and you know I, when we went back in january we were still having to land and test and they had to wear masks inside the dome and it was all it was still pretty pretty stiff so to see that to see them being able to cheer that in january and to see a pretty full house as full houses as i'd seen at, at a tokyo dome it was pretty badass man yeah, I God, the fact that they couldn't cheer for so long, that's crazy, man. Like I, that's it was weird. Yeah, it, I, you know, <laughs> it, that. yeah, I got, yeah, I got used to it. I got used to it, but I will say that it did stink to have to go to Japan and and not have them cheer because that's where you, that's where you get the fire from, man. Especially over there, like because for so many years I would build my matches or you know just get the excitement from from the way they would react to stuff. And to go there from, I think we went what, from May, June, July, May until January, and, and not have them cheer until the light until January was kind of it was it was intense, man. Yeah, I I think that because they're already kind of a relatively quieter audience as well. So when they do make a reaction, it's like I'm sure it fires you up because most of the time they are kind of relatively quieter. They're relatively quiet, but you know once you reach a different level there or, you know, in a different city or in a, a different kind of pay-per-view it's all wrestling. Right. So they're all, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're ready to rock and roll, but yeah, they, they are a little more subdued, but you get them to, if you look back on the, through all the years, you get to the main events of these shows, they're pretty much rocking the entire time. And so it's, that's, that, that's the part that I miss so much. Cause I mean, wrestling in Cork and hall in Tokyo, or or in uh, uh, Sumo Hall in Ryogoku in Tokyo, or or going to Osaka, or even the Tokyo Dome, just to be able to, he, I can feel them. It makes the like the. That's what gets me going, like the, the thought of the Japanese crowd rocking, man. That's the that's the fun that I miss about that. I I loved something I loved about your return to WWE was <clears> that <throat> the crowd was rocking, as you would say, for your guys' return, despite how long you had been gone. And I think it's a testament to the fact that you guys were able to maintain, you know, your, your spot in the wrestling business that whole time. But on top of that, 
I think that it's a testament to how well you were liked before. I mean, you were in one of the biggest matches at WrestleMania right before you left. Um, so it was cool that that excitement from fans hadn't waned in three years, two years. It was a nice, it was a nice validation. I remember hearing, I, I believe it was, I'm sure I've heard it a lot from a lot of people, but I think I heard Hunter say it a couple of times. Like if you're over in New York, then you're over. And so I remember when we got that reaction, I was thinking we're made men, baby. But to, to, to leave for a couple of years and then, they, and they, and they were telling a great story with, with Finn and AJ as well. And then, you know, to, to see our names blast up on the, on the Tron in at the Barclays center in New York city and to hear the reaction. And then it was, uh, it was validation of, of just what we'd been doing and knowing that we didn't, I, I, we were proud to not have gone away for two years and just sit on our asses and not do anything. Like you, we, we knew we were out working hard and it was nice to know that, that, the people of New York saw it. Oh yeah. You guys were like you said, you were with every promotion pretty much for a certain, all the big ones for a certain amount of time. And you guys were definitely staying busy that whole time. Yeah. No afraid. And, and there, there's, there's, I can't imagine us doing anything else anyway. And I think it would always be that way. Um, but like I said, when we, with the day we got, I've said this before on, on lots of podcasts, but the day we did get released, April 15th, 2020, I mean, Gallows was calling me within seconds. And I was like, I'm not in the mood to talk to anybody. And I finally answered, and he goes, anyways, I got I got us booked in, Ch in Chile, Peru. We're going to get to Mexico for a couple of shots. I'm going, dude, what are you talking about? Said, Leave me out of this for a little while. <laughs> it was it, if anybody ever gets out of the business and needs to get booked, call Luke Gallows, I'm telling you, and he won't take a fee. He'll get you booked. <laughs> He'll get you booked. That, that man's the ultimate worker. It's actually weird doing an interview with just you. I think I feel like you usually do them together, <laughs> so it's weird to only yeah. have one of you on the show. Yeah, you know, we compliment each other, man. Like, you know, we, they, they put us together. It's really crazy. A decade ago, and it was in Japan, and it wasn't, you know, that wasn't planned. They just decided to... Let's just see how it works out. And he ended up becoming one of my best friends now. And it's weird to even say that was, but it was 10 years ago. It was December of 2013. And we've been stuck at the hip now ever since. And we compliment each other well, man. He's like one of the only guys in the whole world that says stuff and has makes makes me fall down like laughing because he's, I mean, he's that funny. I feel like it's, it, it's, it's interesting that you say that about how Gallows and you were paired up because I'm sure that's kind of how it was with Mia Yim too, where it was just kind of like, here you guys go. Like this is going to be part of your group now. Yeah, and like, I always thought Mia was a uh, you know looks great. Uh, is a good is a good wrestler. She's done her thing. She's been around, but we never talked. It was just like a quick hello, and you know never hung out. Didn't know her well. Like yeah, she's going to be in the, in the OC, and we were all kind of like, well, I mean, okay, I just we don't I don't know how it's going to work, you know, and then. Now that we've been around her, and it's like, oh, dude, how, how did we miss this? Because she's such a good, she's such a good, and you know, a good sister to not use, you know, not to be a, a pun or whatever, but she really is, man. She's she's so cool. She fits in so well. She's so easy to, to work with, and and I mean, I think she's got such an upside. It's, I mean, there's there's so much there that hasn't even been on, like, especially with, with this whole with the OC now. There's so much to it with AJ just now coming back. There's so much that we can finally start doing that it's like we all are just kind of itching like let's get us rocking you know i'm a big fan of I, I, I was a big fan of dx growing up and i always liked there being like a strong woman 
in factions like a China. And I, I kind of like that we're slowly seeing that a little more. Like we've got Rhea and the Judgment Day, and we've got Mia in the OC, and it's it's cool to see the women kind of being involved in these faction wars too. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, she's she's the equalizer of the group, and I mean, she's I think she's uh, she's she had such a cool element because everyone's seen, you know, AJ Styles. They've seen the good brothers with AJ, they know what we have. And then just, it just adds a whole nother really cool element um, with her. And she's so, and she's so, she really is so cool and she's so nice. And she's got like this visual charisma that um, the WWE really hasn't got a chance to see yet because I think she was in NXT before. And I, and she, I think her only chance up on the main or up on raw before was with that uh, group with them. She had a mask on or something, but yeah, retribution. Um, bam. And, so I think it's good that she can be her now, and like, like I said, we're with we're itching to get to get to get the OC moving. Well, and I think that she also matches the vibe of the group because I think that even though you all play <clears throat> have like different kind of roles that complement each other, I think that she kind of like you guys kind of have like a party vibe a little bit to a certain degree. You're kind of like roasting each other, having fun, having a good time, but also kicking ass. And I, I think that she does match that. She's been roasting Shelton Benjamin on social media for years. She, she can, she can kind of like bust people's balls and, and, and that kind of thing. And I feel like it matches your guys' vibe. She fits right in. Like, like dude, she didn't know her at all. Just said, hello, just a couple of handshakes. And now she's a full fledged, you know, give her a hug glad good to see her sit and catering and laugh and and talk because like i mean she's she's as good as they come and and she's a badass in the ring too do you think that she's technically part of bullet club now is is she does she count hands down okay all right you're a bullet club og so i know that your word really matters in this so i wasn't sure no, hundred, hundred percent, all the way down. Fits, fits in perfectly with, with, uh, with the whole vibe of what, what the Bullet Club was built on. Do you think that Bullet Club will be a, your legacy in wrestling? Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, I think most people think of me as, uh, as a Bullet Club guy, probably for, uh, probably forever. But then, you know. WrestleMania week, we didn't have anything going on or not much going on, but we still went to uh, we went to Staples Center or what's it called now? Sorry. Uh, so fine. Um, yes, no, 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 no. The uh, oh, Crypto.com Arena. Crypto, yes, crypto. It's still Staples to all of us in LA. It's okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, still. But as I was as we're walking up, there was probably just say there was a couple hundred fans outside the arena, and all they start they didn't start screaming. There's Gallows and Anderson. They didn't, they didn't scream Bullet Club. They were screaming, there's the OC. And it like caught us off guard because we don't, we're not referred to that often, even though I know the WWE world knows this is that. It's just it, that caught us off guard. So for now, I think Bullet Club will be, but we'd I'd like to turn the OC, especially this year, into something that can be special. Why do you think it is that Bullet Club connected with fans worldwide? I don't know, man, because we didn't expect it to. Like, I, I didn't expect it to connect the way it did. Because I remember Finn Balor looking at me when I said, dude, because we all, like I said, we always did this anyway. We always did the two sweet. We always uh, gave each other the, the click sign. And it was like, let's do it when we finally start doing it. We were given so much freedom to just be ourselves. And people got to see, like, the authentic 
us to be able to cut promos the way we wanted to cut promos and wrestle the way, the way we wanted to wrestle without any constraints at all. Um, I think just it struck some kind of nerve that made people think like, Hey, those guys are like, they're having fun. They're doing what they want to do and they don't, they don't care. And it's uh, some, something about that when it, going against the establishment or something, it just, it struck, it struck a nerve somewhere because a lot of cities we land in, I mean, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of bullet club fans that, that bring up, um, that bring us up. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, I, I can't think of, in my time as being a wrestling fan, I can't think of many factions or, or whatever that were strictly like a Japan thing that really like made, that really had such an influence over here on everything. Like, I mean, I think NWO was a technically a Japan thing first, but like, it wasn't the same. Yeah. Like it was Hogan, it was Hogan and them who really like <clears throat> blew it up in America. And I think that it's, it's always been super fascinating to me that you guys were able to take something that was, in another country and it changed things out here. Yeah. That's, that's where I, I have to give, uh, we, we all were working really hard at it, but I think when AJ styles, his contract was up with, with impact at the time or whatever it was. And he ended up coming over to Japan to new Japan and, and they put him with us with the, in the bullet club and AJ brought his own fans that followed him and the, the people that knew how great he was. And I think that brought that that definitely helped bring us in into America. And then and AJ jumping on board with what we were doing, you know, with doing all the stuff that we were doing and then taking it to a different level. And now it's, you know, I think Bullet Club's a part of AJ as well that he'll have to he'll have to just live with forever. Um, and I think he's fine with that. But, you know, AJ Styles brought brought uh, a different part of of a different something to the Bullet Club that took us to the next level. It was definitely your guys' like Hollywood Hogan turning moment when he came there because he had been, he'd been this like clean cut guy in impact for so long. And then he'd started to do like the kind of like moody AJ right before he left, but it wasn't until he was in Japan that it like kind of felt complete. And you guys definitely helped complete that process and, and lifted each other up in that time afterwards. hundred percent. And and AJ Styles is such a he's a great baby face. He's still one of the best wrestlers, you know entertainers wrestlers in, in the world ever um in history but i think he's also one of the best you know best heels and people get a chance to see aj being a heel he's it's great man he's funny he can be funny or he can be intense and mean i mean he can be he can do anything he can do it all does it feel like you've been wrestling for 20 years you talked about you were in new japan they gave you an opportunity 15 years ago you know i'm looking you started and like you literally started like 20 years ago now at this point i think it said on your cage match that you've wrestled like 2000 matches. That's crazy. <clears throat> That's nuts. Yeah. So yeah, 2002, I debuted and, um, I guess the good thing is, is I feel great. I mean, I, you know, I've been very fortunate with, with, you know, little injuries and I've always taken care of myself and, uh, just to look back on it, you know, I, my grandmother passed away like last, uh, last year, she was 93 years old of the great life. But before she passed, I remember, remember asking her, hey, grandma, like, when you look back on all the things you saw, like, do, do you remember it all? And she goes, yeah, I remember it all. I remember all of it, but it went like this. And she, like, she snapped her fingers. And I was like, that's just so crazy. That hits home with, with me now with the thought of, of this. I, I can still see myself driving to wrestling school for the first time in, you know, 2000, 2002. And 
I can see my first match. I can remember feeling the nerves of driving up to this garage with, you know, 45 people waiting. I can still remember flying to New Japan the first time in 2008 before I debuted against Kanemoto, nervous in, before the New Japan Cup in Nagoya, Japan. I can remember the nerves of debuting in WWE at the Staples Center in 2016 and then the impact. I can, I can see it all, but it also is always gone like that. And so just if... I know it sounds cliche, but if you can, if everyone can just enjoy, truly enjoy the journey, which I wish I would have enjoyed the two years away from WWE more instead of being so fired up. But maybe the fired upness is what kind of helped us uh, do so well. But I think if I could just have enjoyed, just enjoy the journey a little more, I would. Man, it's so it's so cool to look back on, but it's also goes like that, man. I think the people who strive for greatness, though, it's 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 difficult to mm. to to enjoy the moment because you just want to be great, and it and and sometimes that can bring that enjoyment level down. You just always want some more. Like after the the awesome re debut in, in Barclays, it was like this that. I mean, I can't I can't explain that feeling. There's not a much there's not much more like that. But then you know, we were on AJ's bus driving somewhere, and I'm thinking, then the three of us sat down. and I was like, well, what's next? What's next week? And like, so now we're already thinking about, and then, and then it's just, you're always trying, you always want more, especially when you're a, like a top level athlete or a top level wrestler or whatever, you're a you know, top level, whatever you are yep. in whatever genre of, of employment. You, you, if you, you, if you're one of those people that wants something more, wants something else, like you, you get it. I definitely am one of those people. The other day I had to help someone with their visa and they need a journalist to like, sign something that says, you know, they vouch for them or whatever. And uh, the person who asked me to sign it said, uh, I have to put in here, how long have you been a wrestling journalist? And I, I did the math like, oh, I've been doing this for 15 years? Like, that's crazy. That doesn't sound right. And I had to like, do the math again. And I'm like, no, yeah, that's, that's right. That definitely just flew by, though, very fast. And, and, and it's, uh, it's crazy how time, just like you said, just like that, it's just gone. Did we lose him? <laughs> Did we lose him? We lost him. I'll go to the la I'll go to the closing right now when he comes back. Guys <laughs> lost you. Sorry. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, I promise you I made a point. I made a good point though. I promise. I promise. <laughs> no, you said you, you you've been doing it for 15 years. Yeah, and it's just it's just it. it's just yeah. interesting to me. I'm the same way as you where just it goes by like that. Yeah. You know, it just it just goes by like that. All right, well, we've reached the end of the show here, but I like to end every episode of the podcast with a segment that I call the finishing move. Look at that. Look how fancy that was. We did it on time. I'm so proud of, I'm so proud of us. All of us here, we killed it. Uh, what's your up on you too. <laughs> I know. Right as I was getting prepared to do my intro for that too, I saw them waiting on it. Uh, what's your least favorite move to be on the receiving end of? It used, it used, to, be, uh, it used to be Jeff Hardy's swanton. <laughs> that hands looks down. It, that looks like it would be painful for sure. I don't know why. Well, it used to be, but uh, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had, I haven't been eating anything lately that makes me want to. Jeff Hardy swanton. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, uh, what's the most memorable time that you've hit one of your finishing moves on someone in a match, and why? Man. I'd have to say there was a time in uh, New Japan, probably back in 
2012-ish. I think I hit uh, a cutter on Tanahashi and got a one, two, three in Rio Goku. And I can still remember that was like the first time that a crowd was on my side instead of Tanahashi's side. And it was like, wow, this is getting chills now thinking about it. But that was like the kind of some sometime in New Japan when I hit it, I hit a finisher on Tanahashi and it really woke me up to like, I want more of that. Is that when you kind of started to feel like you had, like I've made it now? Did, that was that an I've made it now moment. That time, I guess the one other time I think about, it, I I I I, pay, I hit Shinsuke Nakamura with a, a cutter in Corican Hall, and it's surprised everybody in the building. And I got a one two three on Shinsuke, and it was like this is. I started to feel like I was making it there, and then the corner the corner had kind of turned, and it's, that's where that started to kind of go this way. And I can still see and feel all those things. I, my producers tell me to wrap up, but I do want to ask one question before we go that I, I wanted to ask during this. You know, you've had some singles success outside of WWE. Is there a world where you could see yourself doing that in WWE? Is that something that interests you to do at some point in the future? Yeah, I don't know why I wasn't in the Money in the Bank batch. I'm down. Let's get this rocket. We, uh, AJ's the world champion. Gallows could be the heater and throw me in the ladder match, babe. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying for it. See, it's just more about, you know, timing. And just kind of waiting for the right story. And, you know, yeah, I'm pushing for it. I hope for it. Okay, good. All right. Well, really, dude, I appreciate us doing this. I, I, I love chatting with you on podcasts. Um, what, you got something to say? Nope. I appreciate oh. you, man. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, John. I thought you were inter- I, I thought you had something to say first, but no, I, I just wanted to say, really, like, I am such a fan of yours. It's been awesome to see you come back. Um, it's great chatting with you. And I hope to see you guys in the tag title mix very soon as well. It needs to happen. hundred percent, man. I, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you again. And thank you for coming into my son's room. <laughs> well, hopefully he gets his basket fixed at some point and behind him. He, he, he dunks it too. Like, of course I say, you can't, you can't dunk it, son. Like it's, a, it's a nerf goal. You know, and of course <laughs> he's doing three sixties on it. Right. Like, of course. That's what we do. Amazing. All right. Well go enjoy the kids. Go enjoy the rest of your day. I appreciate you giving me the time today. Appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot. Peace. All right, that was my conversation with Carl Anderson. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Super cool dude. Very fun getting to chat with him. Especially, it's weird. I'm I'm so used to talking to him with Gallows there that it's nice to get to hear just one of them and talk about their journey a little bit. Going to have to get Luke on here in the future as well. Now, before we get out of here for the day, Little bit of housekeeping I got to do here. Make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media. That's where you can find uh, all the stuff that we've got going on. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And, of course, everyone's new favorite thing, Threads. Make sure you're following WWE on Fox there. Make sure you're following at Ryan Satin on Threads as well. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this show, make sure you go to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, subscribe to it. You can find clips from Raw and SmackDown there. You can find this full version of the show on on there as well. There's clips, there's YouTube shorts, there's a community tab. There's a bunch of stuff there. If you're a wrestling fan and you're not following the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, you, my friend, are slipping. Also, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed as well, the Out of Character podcast feed. 
That's where you can get the full audio version of the show if you're watching on YouTube. I know all of you on YouTube. If you're not subscribed, you might be missing out on a couple things here and there. So go to the podcast feed and go subscribe. And if you are a nice person while you're there, you'll leave a rating or a review as well. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another episode of Out of Character.